<laughs> oh, that was a weird laugh. <laughs> what was That's that? going on. <laughs> I know. It's like a Godzilla or something. I feel like that was, if Godzilla could laugh, it was like, <laughs> You should get into um, voiceovers. I don't think I would be a very good voiceover. Right? You know, we should tell Kimberly Johnson that because she said that she likes to listen to your podcast, just to hear your voice and hear you laugh. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to In the Act, a radio program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just start and stop with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we choose to express ourselves and live creatively. We are connecting with people about their lives, and that is the subject of our show. Broadcasting from Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on Mead Public Radio. Nopes. On Mead Community Radio. I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today... Guest on In the Act is Erica Hunsinger. It's me. Yay! <laughs> and I'm interviewing her. That's right. And we are here. So this is Heather Hanlon. And Heather um, asked if she could interview me. And I said, ha, um, sure, but I think I was already interviewed. And she mm-hmm. said, yep, I know. I heard it. But I also <laughs> have other questions. So can I interview you? And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Of course. And John and I thought it was a great idea. And so we have um, – I usually sit in a seat nearest the door, and now mm-hmm. I'm in the guest seat. And so You're I'm just giving physical reference to where we are. And um, thank so you thank f- you. Thank you for letting me sit in your seat today. I'm so glad. Thank you both for having this great show for our community. Uh, and – if you don't mind, I'll just dive right in sure. and ask you a question. Okay. My first question is, I wonder if, and I know you touched on this with your interview with John a little, or more than a little bit, but I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about your artistic background from when you were growing up. Yeah. And like things that were formative in that way. Sure. Yeah. I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to parse it out with uh, materials, but hmm. I guess, wow, golly, I don't know how to start. I I was really drawn to, um, well, okay, I, wow, okay, sorry. I so, can also be more specific to help guide that if you nope, want. Nope, that's okay. Oh, okay. I just have to like set it's myself just... up a little bit. It takes a little bit of time Absolutely. to kind of review and and fall into a place of, of exploration of that sort. Um Deep, deep ages ago. Yeah. And I think that because I was, uh, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have family around. It was just my brother mm-hmm. and myself and my parents. And <clears throat> so, and my father was a minister and um, my mom was a psychologist and my brother was five years older than I am. And we had Basset Hound and we had a Siamese cat. Mm-hmm. And my formative explorations were in nature and with my pets hmm. and building, I think, communities like with my dolls and my stuffed animals and creating these little nests of like in a baby buggy or <laughs> um, taking them with me outside, um, playing in the sandbox, creating little villages hmm. Looking for frogs was one of my favorite things to do. I love frogs. Um, and playing uh, in the mud, in the rain, 
<clears throat> with my basset hound, petting, like sleeping, curled up next to him, mm-hmm. and with my cat, with the the Siamese. And I think that those uh, – I didn't have any friends my age. And so a lot of it was like mm-hmm. self-exploration. Um, I played a lot with dolls and a lot of um, princesses. And I think the idea of that was to uh, feel – connected right like my my want was to feel accepted and connected and i felt connected to those animals and the the spirit of like what i imbued into my little setups yes but also um in my dad's church the stained glass windows the yellows and greens along the side of these rectangular yellow and green, like light greens and light yellows with this like deep purpley violet blue and red uh, square like rectangles around them. And then this gorgeous like um, I think it was the disciples like up front and the colors of all the stained glass windows with light coming through at different times and how you could see, you know, dust floating in the air on the beams of light through like different colors and stuff um, was really, really important to me. My parents, my mother's from Maine and my father's from Pennsylvania. And so we used to drive every year. We had a camp that my mom helped build uh, design um, with my grandfather's on the on a I think it was like near Castine, and it was this old farmhouse that they like dragged down the hill, and then my grandfather's Pap and Bubba that's oh what he called gosh. him <laughs> um, built this little house next to it with a deck that um, connected, and. Um, as a, it was vandalized as, as like a camp, like well, they call them camps, but it's like a cottage. Got it. But in Maine, they call them camps, camps. for some reason. Um, and there was a little stream behind the house, and we used to go there. I used to go. I used to carry around a little red plastic shovel, and I think I had a uh, a Dorothy Hamill haircut for mm. a really long time because I love Dorothy Hamill, yes. the ice skater. Uh, and my basset hound and I would go to the, the stream and I'd spend hours there folding over rocks mm. and putting my hand into the, the water stream and the ice coldness of it, even in summertime, um, rushing past and how I could watch the water move around my finger or build tiny dams or tiny little, um, sculptures next to it, not carns, not trying to change the landscape mm-hmm. in any way, not having just a real intuitive way of being present. Yeah. And I think that space in my head, that's the place I go to that feels the most like me and makes me the most happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> so you can. Thanks. If you want. But tied in with that, I think, is color and the, I, and clay hmm. and that, you know, digging into the, the sandy 
like rocks and stuff too and holding that firmness of ground but also having it dissolve in the water like that whole is just a little magical like those pieces are just really magical um and i i colored all the time i don't think i was a very happy child in Mm -hmm. general and my mother used to give me blank pieces of paper she was also a sculptor Um, And she used to give me blank pieces of paper to draw on. And I rallied against it all the time. It wasn't structured enough for me. Yeah. And so I asked for and begged for coloring books Mm. all the time. And I went through coloring book after coloring book after coloring book, creating different colors and shapes and stuff. And then, and then got into ceramics. Hmm. Um, So that was like my, it's like all about color and experience, I guess. And self-soothing, I think, is mm, is partly where like awe, self-soothing. <laughs> like I think those were the experiences that I needed formatively. Mm-hmm. And they gave me joy. Yeah. Because mm. you were seeking joy. And maybe that awe was self-soothing that you could find. Oh, sure. Yeah space in that way it's interesting that you talked about color so much because i i was thinking that that might lead us into my next question about color i put color and shape as my next like line of questioning yeah and i like this phrase that you said color and clay oh yeah and and you also were mentioning (laughs) shape that word shape too and it's interesting how you talked about – did you say you became a sculptor first or really like a colorer? Yeah, I think I considered myself a colorist. But I was um, I was definitely in the clay department. Mm-hmm. I was uh-huh. in – I did some jewelry. I mean, I did a lot of different things because I have a lot of interests in material. But I, I definitely was in clay in high school – and then I got a scholarship to uh, in ceramics hmm. um, in college, but I didn't like the wheel because I'm not symmetrical. Mm, I can't. Sure. I mean, I can do it, but it's not my forte. Yeah. It's not what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I liked hand building, and then the hand building that I was doing didn't really fit into what they thought I should be doing. I think in some ways, and so. And again, I think I wanted to be accepted and I didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I was more interested in the surfaces of the clay and the color that was being produced. And so I translated all of that into painting. Okay. That makes a lot of sense looking at your paintings too. And by colorer, I meant like coloring book colorer. Oh, yeah. And then I thought that you were saying when you were young, you were getting into sculpture too, like with your mom's supplies maybe. But um, that translation... I can I can definitely witness just as somebody who views your your painting because it is it is very textured and I would I could call it three dimensional. Um, oh, interesting! The tools yeah. that you use, yeah, are some of them are more sculptor tools or just you know, yeah, creation tools for other things that aren't traditionally painting tools. Right. Like carpet ripper uppers or something. Yeah. What is the fit? I came into your studio once and you had that rake. What is that used for traditionally? 
And you're like, this oh, is one probably of my scraping. Ones. Oh yeah, that's um. I don't know what it's traditionally. I think it's, I think it's carpet, carpet glue applicator. applicator. <laughs> Man, that's pretty you know? too. And yeah, and I, I love s- that thing. I just I used s- it this weekend. Oh my gosh, I I loved that you like brought that out, and you're like, oh, this is like. Just a tool that I get at the hardware store. Yeah. I mean, the hardware store is the greatest or, you know, restore or something mm-hmm. like that. Like tools that are like friends, grandparents used, mm-hmm. you know, that you can just hold in your hand. Like there's a yeah. energy there too. But I paint on wood because That's right. m- mostly if I paint it on canvas, I just rip through it. You just have to become a sewer. Like well, then a, I've sewed a textile them. artist. Right. <laughs> because it would be all sewing because it'd be you couldn't be rough with it. Right, which is I have a couple sewed back together. <laughs> I still I still haven't asked my color question, but even Sorry. before I do, no, no, I I like can't even get there yet because I have to like <laughs> I want to tie up some more of these ideas, and I I think something that I just did was I I jumped right over so many creative exercises that you were just talking about because I was so excited to talk about sculpture and painting and these very literal creative acts but you were also talking about the act of being present and the act of sitting and watching dust float in the air yeah through stained glass colors yeah or i guess like stained glass sunlight you talked about the touch of ice cold water and just turning over stones, not even making something, but the creative act of just interacting with your environment. Yeah, the senses, the sensory yeah. aspect of that. Yeah, and those are really creative too, those acts. and Absolutely. They're not even – they're creative and they're generative, but they're not – you don't even have to make something. You don't even have to – produce which is another question i have for you later which is sort of about production and capitalism but sure so we have to make sure to get there because i'm very curious about that sure i mean experience is really important and connection is really important right like that yeah intimate being with or witnessing whatever it is like i frankly don't understand how people get bored because i swear you can sit anywhere and find something interesting in your area like the carpet weave. What in the world is going on with that? Oh, yeah. And if you touch it for long enough, your hands will get all tingly. And yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And even when you talked about the dolls, you can apply that to everything around you, to the carpet, to paintings, to totally. non-artistic things. You can imbue them with meaning. I know we've talked Absolutely. about Bacillard and the poetics of space yes. and how – Great book. Yeah. And and it's it's something I love about that book is that there's this philosophy about how people imbue meaning and value into objects. Yeah. And you can totally take an artistic perspective for like fine art, but a child can do that too. A child must do that. A child just is compelled to do that, you know, and I I would expand it. I would say people yeah people must must do that yeah imagination and creativity is at the heart of all of us yeah and we all 
make creative decisions as mm-hmm. far away as they think you are from like quote unquote creativity or creative acts, you know, whatever, however that's been housed is like almost dangerous for mm. us as humans because it disallows, I think, I think it disallows a lot of people who want to do things right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. to, to not, act in ways that that will stimulate them mm-hmm. to create yeah and then it can be impossible to find that thing that you're you're looking for totally which can just be found in touching a rock in a stream absolutely yeah yeah as a creative act I have no idea who they were. I just know that they had like symbols underneath them that I used to look at, like keys, Mm -hmm. like those things, and like the colors. That's all I can see. Welcome back to In the Act, a podcast of Mead Community Community Radio. I was going to say public. I know. I'm Heather Hanlon, and I have the honor of interviewing Erica Hunsinger today with John Tully producing... And we appreciate you listening. Erica, I hope I can ask you some more questions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Uh, whew, man, I I have three pages of questions. And so we cute. got through the first yeah. question, which Sorry. I, I, I <laughs> value. I, it's the opposite of something that you should apologize for because I think you are speaking like – and just being able to speak about your childhood in that way, you're speaking to the whole point of your podcast, which yes. is that every single person is constantly in the act. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank and you. Yes. <laughs> and sorry, we're always like becoming like we were talking about when I came in where I was becoming these next iterations of who we are. Yeah. And oh, my it, God. Yeah. And it's like hard and lonely. And yes. We're looking for that connection, and some people end up looking for that connection with colors, and that's, like, how they find they can do that. Some people yeah. do it um, through, you know, organizing rallies, and some people do it through teaching. And yeah. It's just um, a lot of us walking around looking for something that we can feel whole yeah. with. Yeah. Can I pop in Please. really quick? So when you said the next iteration of yourself, I was in the I was like really intentional about going into the studio this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I was like I'm going to go on both days and yeah. spend the time in there and paint. And I was I'm starting a new series, and excuse me, and I I went in and I started painting, and I was like, man, gosh, I hate them so much. <laughs> I don't like I don't know what I'm doing. How do I? How do I do oh these paintings? Gosh. I thought I knew how to paint. I don't know how to paint. I, and every single time I go into a new group of painting, I am a different person. Mm. And because I paint intuitively, I don't mm. plan anything out. I don't have a sketch of how I'm going to do it yeah. or put things together. There is a weird exploration of the new self that I am yeah. that I don't know yet mm-hmm. that I have to pull out and paint with. And most of it is just real ugly. 
and that you have to get all this like stuff mm. out to be able to to have some sort of resolution. And frankly, every single time I do it, I'm like, it's not going to happen. There's no resolution. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. I have zero hope on these uh, for these pieces. I've been painting for over 20 years, mm-hmm. and that realization is just like really hit me hard this wow. weekend. And it's because it's like a new, I'm a new person mm-hmm. from three months ago. And you said that you painted <laughs> intuitively. And so yeah. it's like, if you're constantly redefining that person inside and even passively, right? you come to the wooden canvas thinking, what is intuitive inside of me? Yeah. And it, some probably really hard to identify. I mean, I can't. It's like it, it's not. I can't identify before I paint. Mm. Mm. Your painting identifies it for you. That's correct. That's probably. Oh, that's super interesting. It's like it's and a lot of people because it's that process don't believe don't believe there's validity mm. in it Too because intuitive of that art, right. intuitive painting, intuitive expressive. Like mm-hmm. because you didn't plan it, it doesn't have the same validity than. Mm. Um, it's same with abstraction. Abstraction doesn't have the same validity as uh, um, as identifiable mm-hmm. or ob- ob- objective art, right? Mm-hmm. I was just I just donated a piece of work and the um, for for uh, for something, mm-hmm. and um, the definition on on it was something like an Erica's childlike paintings. That is the face that I got to, and I was it was some, or something my about like child, yeah, <laughs> um, it was something about childlike, and it was so diminishing. I feel Absolutely. like it doesn't mean I've had a couple of friends say to me like, "Oh, but you love child artwork." It child artwork is one of my favorite things sure. ever. I love it. I love it. I love children's you work. You went into art therapy. Right. And I was a preschool teacher for like 17 mm. years. However, my work does not come from a place of child like behavior. No. My my work is of of uh, a history of composition, color and exploration of the adult self that I am. Yeah, it would be impossible and, for you to do something childlike correct. because you're an intuitive painter and correct. you're an adult. Right. So it was really disappointing, yeah. I got to say. It hurt me a little bit. Absolutely. Um, it's fine. I, but I feel like that's like what I've had to like push back against my whole mm-hmm. art career. Yeah. I think you and a lot of people who use abstraction or intuitive art, which is something that I'm learning a lot more about through you and what that means. Um, yeah. Uh Man, I don't even – there's this artist, Kahari Turner, who is from Wisconsin, actually, and he used to think that photorealistic painting was the the highest order of a painter. Sure. And, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And he you know, went to school for painting and somehow came across um, painting more abstractly, and he uses sometimes outlines of people, sometimes not – and um, but all of his people are missing like parts. Yeah. And he said that once he started to do that and he uses water from different waterways to help him paint and he lets Ugh. the water guide some of it too. Gorgeous. And once he got this abstraction, wow. he said that's when he found out that he could understand himself through painting because he didn't know who his father was. 
Yeah. And all this time he was doing this very realistic painting. It wasn't something that he fully understood because he couldn't, uh, there was no space in it. Right. And so then when he wow. loosened those parameters, he got to a space that felt very true. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I me too. That. And and I really, I think that that's a beauty across arts. I mean, if you look at dance or poetry or um, touching rocks, man, we're going to hit this 17 minutes again. And it's going <laughs> to, and I mean, any of these generative or creative acts can be very, it's hard to explain, I guess. It's hard to explain. It is. I agree. And I, I'm going to pop in. I, I think that for me, part of the joy of creating abstractly is that once I'm done with the piece, it, it, which felt very of me, mm -hmm. no longer feels of me in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to appreciate it from an objective viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But, and we don't have to get into this a lot, but I don't really like painting very mm -hmm. much. I don't really like it. However, the other part of the product when it's finished is that other people get to imbue meaning into it mm -hmm. for them. Right. And what it means for mm -hmm. them. And the joy or um, interest or um, grievousness or whatever that other people imbue into my work, I find really fascinating. Yeah. And I love that it, they take on a different meaning for different people. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to this is what it means, mm -hmm. which is what most people get if you're an abstract, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know. What does it mean to you? Yes. Yes. And that's really all of our life is, what does it mean to you? Yeah. Exactly. How are you going to imbue this with meaning? And you can... Yes. Yes. How are you imbuing this doll with yes. meaning? How are you... How are you understanding the dust floating? Because like yes. we are trying to understand ourselves as humans and yes. we need something to bounce that off of. We can't That's just right. be in this like isolated chamber. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And if my pieces are like a meditative space for you to kind of get lost in and do some reflection about yourself for yourself and and develop meanings, like that is – that's the greatest thing. Hmm. So I'm going to like both contradict and extend this kind this great specific Do conversation it. that we're having about abstraction because I I want to dive a little bit more into your color. Yep. And I I'm going to wrap two questions up into one. Sure. Um when I was in your studio a few weeks ago, you showed me these pieces. Well, no, I I was looking at these pieces that were not for sale and you saw me looking <laughs> at them and you're like, "Oh, I need those pieces because <laughs> they help me remember how yeah. I did some things." Yeah. With color especially, yeah. I think. And so that's like a first part of my question, which is, what are those things that you find yourself doing that you don't want to forget? Um with color specifically and then a second branch of that is sometimes I see these black tangles in your paintings. Mm. And now, and this is me contradicting our conversation. And sometimes, it well, when I listened to the interview that you did with your dad growing mm -hmm. up in this charcoal coal town, not charcoal, yeah. this coal town. And sometimes I, I wonder if it, you feel those tangles coming from a certain place or if it's, or if me yeah. asking that is contradicting intuitive art. No, 
if anything that I think they're all set from some places. I think. Did you say repeat? If there's any like motif that you find yourself repeating that you feel might come from somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can identify. I think that that I have some heavy sadness and grief Mm. and darkness inside for sure. I think I carry a lot of anger around with me as well. Mm. And I think that scraping through (laughs) or pulling off or editing out is a physical representation of trying to eliminate the grime inside in some ways. I do. Um, There's usually a a tangle, if you will, like a black tangle um, that feels inaccessible um, to, to release from. And I think that's set in depression i think that's set in anxiety Mm -hmm. um i know where those pieces come from um and i've worked really hard to explore them and try and work through them through therapy through Mm -hmm. art through friendship through love through connection um Mm -hmm. but yeah those those darknesses are always there yeah um and it's not always it's not always like a black dark tangle though you know cuz i find so much beauty in darkness hmm. and the unknown as well and sometimes i think like i did these two big black paintings hmm. and i think so, and i posted about them on social media and someone wrote i've been there too i know what you i know what you sure. and i was like well that's an assumption that's huh. an assumption because you know what? Those were about driving at night. Like those <laughs> were about like awesome. me driving from Wisconsin or from Chicago to Wisconsin to see my love and mm. looking forward to it, right? And seeing all the the wet pavement and the stars and the the lights of the mm-hmm. cars like, f- you know, flying by. Seeing and the dark sky reflect yes. on the wet of oh the my dark God. road. I mean, how gorgeous you're is that? you're excited to go where you're going. Yes. Mm. So, um, but definitely I think like the scraping and the removing and the rubbing off is, is somehow trying to polish or, um, soften harder edges, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, or get at something that I can't really get at. Yeah. Like I went to a breathing workshop and usually like in this yoga place and I usually try to like, it, it doesn't take me long to get into a meditative state. But I worked the whole time just mm-hmm. on breathing. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, and how I just do felt I be like a I was working. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Instead of like falling into a place. Uh. And it was so hard. And But I know I got something out of it. But sometimes it's just a lot harder than it's other just labor. times. Like painting. Yes. It's a labor sometimes. Yes. Oh, all the it's time. It's a schlog. It's a schlog. What a beautiful word. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is like such an ugly word to really match that feeling probably that totally. you're, you're – that, that makes so much sense. Yes. Sure. And it also makes sense that when you release those paintings, you can see them and say, oh, this is something that you can then re-imbue meaning into, which is not a word. Yes. But you can like – Oh, my gosh. Thank revisit you. and like – I never thought of it Because like it's that. like you expelled it. Yes. And now you can revisit it. Absolutely. In a new In a, in a new way. me. Yeah, a new, new iteration. A, a new iteration. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Heather. That's and it's, so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's you, and it's 
and it's interesting to think about these to think about dark tangles in the colors of your pieces because I feel like your pieces have so much variety and balance and they can be hard to define because you have things like tangles and scrapes but these also mm-hmm. very vibrant colors mm-hmm. and sometimes bright colors. I know seasonal mm-hmm. colors at times. Um, I actually know I'm more depressed when I use all the colors on a piece. Mm. Interesting. It's a very interesting, if there's a rainbow effect, mm-hmm. it's usually I'm a little, and I, I have no control over my palette. I have no idea. If I want to make a red painting, good luck. It's, I feel like it's just going to be all white. I have no idea. That's such a wild declaration for an artist. It's like it's I have no control over my palette. No. That's awesome because I think a lot of people would be afraid to say that out loud or a lot of artists maybe. But I think that that's so radical and positive. Thanks. Yeah. It feels a little out of control. Yeah. <laughs> I... I don't know if I answered your other questions. I think you did. I, okay. I'm i trying to think of where I want to go next because it's sure. like, you know, life and art. It's – there are just so many different places to take it. And I'm not a very experienced interviewee. You're doing great. Uh, or interviewer. You're oh, doing great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to recap a little and then see see where, where it takes me. Okay. So, Color and shape, we find this intuitively. Um, and, okay, sure. So you're like, you're scraping grime. You're finding color. You're finding connection. You are releasing. Okay. So I think the direction I want to take it is... Uh, Talking about work-life art collaboration, because mm. I feel like we've touched on your process a lot and your colors and atmospheres that you're creating. Yeah. Um, so you've had some collaborations in the past, and I wonder if you want to touch on how that affects your process or your intuitive nature of interacting with your art when you are working with somebody else and if you have any dream collaborations did you say dream yeah not not like you go to sleep and you think like oh oh, i really (laughs) desire (laughs) like i have actually oh my gosh okay well so funny now we're pivoting the whole podcast to be about that no well no i had just in high school when i was taking this jewelry class i dreamt this particular symbol and then i made it out of metal Hmm. um so I have that. It's a pin I made for my mom. <laughs> Does she still have it? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'll have to show it to you. I, anyway, um, I don't know if I've – so I have a couple things to say about collaborations. Mm-hmm. I think it's real important that if you're going to do a collaboration with somebody that um, you let them know. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. Like that there's a true collaboration mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. actually uh, an ask and receiving mm. relationship, in my opinion. Mm, absolutely. Um, because 
That seems more like a true collaboration. Yeah. So uh, my first collaboration that I did was with uh, an amazing painter, really lovely human being uh, named Ted Stanuga. He's out of Chicago, amazing painter. Mm. Um, and he was going through a rough time. I don't think he'd mind me saying this. And um, Because and, it was a true collaboration. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know. He wouldn't yes. mind you saying this. For sure. For sure. And um, and I asked if I could take the work that he hadn't finished, his uh, drawings that he had, these charcoal drawings. I hate charcoal because it gets all over you and it's sensory stuff for me. Um, but um, and maybe that's psychological too, right? Like, I was like just <laughs> sure, right? You can I mean, but I, it out. I'm not a you psychologist like yeah. you are, but interesting. Well, I'm not, but um, we can take it there. So, but I I worked on I don't know. I think we did like 20 um pieces, and I think I gave him 10 and he gave me 10. And so we worked on each other's pieces. And it felt very strange to have somebody do stuff on top of your work. Mm -hmm. And then also strange to do stuff on top of somebody else's work. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first like, this is is some boundary stuff that you really have to be secure in. Um, And it felt a little intimate in a way that was um, – because I didn't know him very well, but we were friends – but it felt like I was caretaking for him in a way. Interesting. And I think he felt that way too. Um, and it, you know, created a great friendship. So when you so say – we did a show about it and we put it up and we put it up on – like we tacked him up on wood and we mm-hmm. worked on that together. And that felt like a very secure and solid way to do it. He still has them to this day. Um, but that was my first, I think, true artist collaboration. When you say that, it felt strange – These were unfinished pieces yeah. from both of you, and you yeah. each exchanged 10. And you were talking about these boundaries. Was it that you lost a total sense of self in the painting that was strange? Sure. Or was it just that you – was it the fact that you were, were having to Multiplicity. Okay. It just, right? It's not and, binary. Yeah. It's not a – It's a, not an either or. Yeah. It's, it's everything. It's like hmm. – I don't know. That seems – that was a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was glad when we got him on the board because it felt a little – I don't know. It was strange. Yeah. It was fine. And when but they, it felt strange. When they went up, were you – did you feel differently or did you also just feel like a distance? I felt a lot better when they were up. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was distance. They were on wood then. Like we tacked the paper up on, mm-hmm. on wood. That act alone – created another separation and because we worked on them together it created a um another boundary i think mm-hmm. and solidified hmm. the piece right so yeah. it gave it a structure yeah and that was helpful yeah giving structure to something is helpful the i want to get yeah. to my second collaboration please because i love this one so much so i have trouble editing 
like everything. Organizing, I read tons of books on organizing and everything. So it's a really hard thing for me to keep straight. I'm pretty sure I have ADHD or oh something um, because I need to have things in open containers and clear containers. If they're enclosed things, they disappear. Um, out of sight, I, out of yep, mind. Yeah, the whole – I have all the symptoms. It's just not diagnosed, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so I was really proud of myself. I had all of these like watercolors – Thirty, I was like, I am gonna throw these away because I can't resolve them. Ha <laughs> ha! This is great, Goodbye. good for you. Goodbye. And I was like walking to the to the garbage, and um, my partner Cooper uh, intercepted me. <laughs> was like, Hey, what are you doing with those? And I was like, Nothing. Throwing them away. He's I'll like, See them in hell. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Well, why don't you just give them to me? They can't get any worse if you're throwing them away <laughs> like let me try and um work with them mm-hmm. um because he's a visual artist as well and uh and i was like super sassy about it mm-hmm. i was like okay yeah sure you can try and make them better there's no way like i was just like sure whatever it's like the touch of god can't fix this right so good luck <laughs> good good luck good riddance whatever i'm trying to edit cooper yeah um yeah, the whole thing. And uh, I think it was like two weeks later, oh, he's like, do you want to see what I've been working on? Do you want to see them? And I was like, <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, and they were beautiful. They were so beautiful. Hmm. And I can't even express to you like how profound it is to have something that you hated or didn't like or couldn't resolve and that your partner takes from you and is like, I'm going to care for it and like transform it Caretaking. and makes it beautiful. Like that is was like, I don't even know. Like they're, they're some of my favorite pieces of work. And I mm-hmm. love collaborating with Cooper. I It's, uh, it's really beautiful. It, I, it makes me tear up because it's, it's just such a cool thing. It's like going back. And touching the ice cold water and being surprised. And you're like, I'm part of this. Yes. But it's, oh. but it's also not me, but it's partly me. Yeah. I'm touching it and that's how I'm feeling it. And right. I'm turning over the rock. Yeah. Yeah. A good partner is, can really, what is the words that you use? Can take something that you hate and just take care of it. Yeah. Not take care of it like all done, but like yep. caretake. Caretake. Like with your pieces, you're going to throw in the garbage. Yeah. It's like. This is In the Act of Mead Community Radio, and I'm Heather Hanlon here with the interviewee and creator of the podcast, Eric Hunsinger. Hello. And John Tully, uh, and you, listener, thank you for being here. I'm going to take just a hard turn here because yeah. I'm dying to ask you a question about podcasting, yeah, which is something that you also have been using as a creative space and also something that you've been literally producing. Yeah. And I want to talk about, um, tie that into a conversation about capitalism. Sure. I think that it comes up a lot in your podcast organically. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And I was wondering if you'd be surprised by that. Yeah. I think it makes sense because when you're talking about creating, you're creating something, oftentimes artists create something physical. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
we live in this society where, you know, in order to survive, we need to produce something that can have monetary value mm-hmm. so that we can survive. And yeah, throughout this series of In the Act, people have been grappling with, like, what that looks like in a positive way, what that looks like in a negative way. Yes. And what are the questions that I want to ask you about that? Um, maybe what do you find interesting about creativity in relation to capitalism? Or what term would you use to describe the final product of art making? Would you use product, commodity, masterpiece, artwork, asset? I guess product. Product. Yeah. I mean, I'm not making something so that people are going to buy it. Mm-hmm. I'm making something and then I hope somebody's going to buy it. Yeah. But that's not the impetus. And I am very, very careful and have been very careful in my artistic endeavors that I don't make money from my art to live. Mm-hmm. Because if I did, it would be tuned to what the customer wants. Yeah. And, that's and then intuitive. I would be making things for other people and it Mm -hmm. gets outside of myself and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing myself justice. It's fine if other people want to do it differently, Mm -hmm. but that is not, and that's their choice and how they need to do things. For me, it gets me off track. Mm -hmm. Commissions are really Mm -hmm. hard for me for those very reasons because Mm -hmm. I'm making it for someone else and it's just a little outside of center. And once I just get outside of center, um, they they aren't as true mm. to myself. And I would much prefer making a bunch of work and somebody comes and chooses one. For sure. So um, that's my bit for myself. I, I think perfectionism and capitalism kind of go hand in hand. Interesting. I think that the, the tune to follow um, – to make, to be, to have are things that we all grapple with in different mm-hmm. ways. And I find it so effing sad mm-hmm. that we as a society in America, for me, <laughs> um, have to pay out of pocket for our own health um that yeah. the that the uh extreme wealth uh for the the managers and CEOs of companies etc banks mm-hmm. whatever and their pri- like and the the lowest paid person the the stratosphere between mm-hmm. that has grown exponentially since the 70s um i think it is a disservice to us as humans. Mm. I think the distrust for media and for truth is is absolutely goes to the basis of my work. It's mm. to the basis of myself. I try and take people at their word. Um, if you tell me something, even if I'm like, you know, I'm not sure I believe that, I'm going to believe you <sighs> because I would rather believe you and go about that way than have to think that there's another meaning behind it. 
I try to be honest and genuine with things with myself. I don't want to keep secrets. I will keep your confidence, but I'm not going to keep your secrets. I don't have secrets. I don't, I don't do secrets like that. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I think it's gross. So I, but if you have a confidence, I will keep your confidence. And that I find very different. Yeah. Um, I think all of that kind of goes into capitalism, <laughs> That's right? That's so fascinating. And and can you help me define how you – I guess, can you define for yourself what that secret versus It's people is? first. It's, sun, mm. it's people first, right? People my, first? It's people okay. first. My, sure. and my, I grew up – like capitalism. my father's a minister. Mm-hmm. My mother's a psychologist. When I was painting initially after painting school, I was like, I'm not – I. I couldn't get the brush to the canvas. I was like, I'm not doing anything for anybody. Mm. I'm just painting for myself. I'm so narcissistic. I'm so full of myself. I can only paint, right? All that you just crap hear in your it. head. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hear was those like black tangles. Yes, exactly. Everywhere. Constantly. And like, yeah. how do I give more of myself? Like, oh my gosh. I mean, crazy, but and I think how that, do you give more of yourself and still be true to yourself? And that's how, can how you be connected? Yes. Thrives. Yes. They, but it's, it's people-centered, just, person-centered, yeah, person-centered. Yeah. If you want to get back to the old <laughs> self of old, what was meaningful and valuable in this country is that at some point there was people first, right? But not all people, just a certain kind of people. Absolutely. How do we get to a place then of all people, all people first. We mm. as people first. We, 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 us, us, not them, <laughs> not them, not other. And that was the point of the podcast because during the <sighs> during this time- You tied it all together. Wow. During this time amazing. of the pandemic, John and I talked. Um, I talked with my friends. I had a very small pod of people that are very meaningful to me. Mm. Um, Jen, Tom, Sarah, Cooper, and I did art group. Um, mm. and working at the library, I love the people at the library so much. They're so great. This is the last bastion of democracy mm. and freedom of speech and like educated, beautiful souls that work here. It's just mm. amazing. And I wanted there to be connection for people who are feeling so lonely. Mm-hmm. And isolated because we all were in our own ways. Um, the devastation that happened um, from mm-hmm. it, the what rose out of it that were gifts and jewels. Mm-hmm. What did we have to dig for? What did we have to lie in? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a grueling mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. to reevaluate and to find creative connections for ourselves. And it was through that was like, let's do this podcast about Mm. creativity, about people's lives so that when people are at home and listening and can connect to the computer, um, that they can stream it and find it anytime they want. They can learn about the other Mm -hmm. and they'll hear about their lives and either get inspired or when they see them out, they can say, hey, I heard you. Yes. I saw one of your interviewees. This weekend, and I tried so hard. I, we were in the same event together, and I tried so hard to find her, but I kept getting really close and then not knowing what to say. Yeah. 
and that's the only reason why I really know anything about her is because you like interviewed her and it felt, yeah, really like a gift and a jewel yeah. to get to know people in that way. Yes. Because in the pandemic, we couldn't, like we lost the ability to make new friends. Right. Because we had to quarantine. Right. That is Everybody's a gift. Everyone. Mm. Every single one. It's not that we're all, you know, we're all different, but we all have our journeys and we all have our stories and everyone is a gift. Mm. I'm not just interviewing people who are successes, mm. right? Mm. Like this isn't about like, show me what your success is. It's like, what happened to transform? What what did you go through? What happened with you in your life that you can make these connections? Because maybe it'll stimulate that for somebody uh-huh. else. Show me where show it me hurts. Show me where it hurts. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yes. Or show me where where it didn't. And what happened? Like, what was the pivotal moment? Because it's those connection pieces. It's not like, I don't care. I mean, I do care. I don't care exactly where you got to. But like, how you got there. You want to know about the process. What does that process look mm-hmm. like? Because that's where it's hardest. Yeah. That's yeah. where you hate that's it. That's you're in the trenches. That's when you're in the trenches. Mm, that's where you have all those tangles like you were just saying that's like you were about to put that paintbrush on the canvas that's and you're right. like I'm a narcissist and I'm yes and like somewhere you're like no I'm not but yes then it's like you were saying like capitalism needs more and more and more yeah and the truth is if you're trying to tell your truth there's only so much it's just you yeah and is that can that be enough that's it's like a question enough. that you can that a person might have to ask in like the society that we're in and yeah. in the pandemic we really had to sit in that. What is enough? Yeah. What are we looking for here? Right. We, I, I I mean like what is the point here? And we had that second to just think about that and your podcast does capture that in a really interesting way because as the pandemic progresses we grow a language around it, grow, grow a way of talking grow. about it. Yeah. And then we find ourselves in like new spaces. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to hear people talk about that in the podcast that you created in that time. Yeah. It's hmm. all growth. It's all about growth. It's all that process of growth. That's why spring's my favorite season. Hmm. <laughs> I'm so jealous that spring is your favorite season because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It's got everything all in one. It's snowy. Yeah, you're right. My favorite snow is April snow. It's fall. It's spring with thunderstorms and crazy lightning and wind. And it's summer because it's 80. What's going on? I love it. Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Why you would love it. Yeah. It's like nature at its most intuitive. It's like, (laughs) this earth is my canvas, and I'm just like using the scraper sometimes if I want to. That's right. I'm just putting this color on because I need to feel better. I need, yeah, I'm like putting this tangle on because it's got to get out of there. Totally. That makes so much sense. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I love it. Wow. Totally. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you. You, You've been talking about... Your podcast as almost like this place where people can find a home or like a true home when a home might be the only place where you can go. And 
you've talked about Sheboygan as a vortex before. Yeah. And how you can leave, but you'll come back. And I'm also interested in that. And uh, how many people do you know that left Sheboygan and come back? Oh my gosh, I know. So many many. people that you're like, oh, what is this place? Wait, what's here? It's like, who knew? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's beautiful and wonderful. What keeps you coming back? What keeps you wanting to make this your home? I mean, I can afford to have a studio here. Hmm. I love the community here. Um, I love the accessibility to amazing museums Mm. and creative people. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making a difference with my life here. Mm. I love Chicago so much. I feel like my home is in Chicago and my heart in a lot of ways, but I love the anonymity of Chicago. I love the, all the different restaurants and foods you can get to and all the oh different creative people and the diversity of everything. I you know, I love the sure. melting pot and yeah. that's what I'm always looking for. Do you find melting that? Pot. Do you? I mean, and it's a little white and Christian uh, here, honestly. I mean, uh, which is its own thing. Um, I, and I am, I'm cis white woman, um, and I, that affords me a lot of privilege and a lot of acceptance in communities that mm. uh, I may not have otherwise be. Um, I think there's a lot of racial issues in this town. Yeah. Uh, in this area, in the country, and um, maybe, yeah, everywhere. And so my continued you know, battle is to battle myself and and to try and find avenues of bridging openness, connection of all people, all people, all people, all people. Growth, growth, growth. Yeah. And you've tied that in so much today. You said all people a lot when you're talking about art and when you're talking about your podcast. Yeah. And that is a bridge that I definitely see in the community. I mean, like I said, it's a way that I was able to talk to people that I don't even know yeah. through in the act and yeah, learn about them. And I love that. Yeah. So That's generative. It right? is. It, oh, absolutely. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Take it outside. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from what you did? Yes. And how then did you take grow? it. How did you grow? How did, what relationship? It's all come, it all mm-hmm. comes back to relationships. Show me where it hurts. Show me where it doesn't hurt. And uh, take my hand. <laughs> take my hand. We can grow together. Totally. Thank you for taking my hand today and letting me do this. Thank you for being for your generosity of spirit toward us all and for your generosity of sharing here. It's not easy to share. So and to take the time to do it. So thank you. you. Where can people find you? Eric Hansinger Instagram, Eric Hansinger. EricHansinger.com. And where you can, can probably people, Google me. Absolutely. Where can people find your artwork? Um Honey and Ace. Oh. Honey and Ace. They can make, they can whisk bakery. They can ebb and flow. Ebb flow. They can Instagram message you and see your studio. Yep. And browse there. Yep. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, I really you, Erica. appreciate it. It's been lovely being with you and talking with you. It's been really lovely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Me too. Huge thanks to Mead Public Library, the fantastic Melissa Prentice, Josh Littner, Annalisa Finca, the Radio Committee, our amazing engineer John Tully, and for the title, Photo and Fabulous, theme music composed and performed by Cooper Deers. In the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.